My name is Eric Hundley, and this is Unstructured, where we have dynamic and formal conversations with some amazing people. Today, we are joined by Michelle Dresbold. Now, Michelle is a handwriting expert, and I just had asked her if she was a graphologist or studied graphology, and she sent me straight. She is not. How are you doing today, Michelle? I'm doing great. How are you? All right. Now, why would you not say you're a graphologist? I thought they were the same thing. Um, they're not exactly the same thing. Um, graph means writing. Ologist is study of. So anybody who studies writing is a graphologist. Mm-hmm. I call myself a handwriting expert because I I actually encompass many things dealing with handwriting. For example, I can determine thread analysis, how dangerous a person is. I also um, can I talk about a personality of a person from their handwriting, but I also do forgery and anonymous letter detection. Um, and that's called question document examination. So since it's so broad, I just call it handwriting expert. Okay. So is a graphologist more in line with authenticating signatures like on signed baseballs and cards and things like that? No, that's a document examiner. That's a person like Example, when you do that, you can go to court. A graphologist doesn't go to court. A graphologist is more personality profiling, which I do do, but Mm. you don't go to court with that. When you go to court, you only say, oh, John Doe wrote this, or this anonymous letter was written by Knepper B. So it's a broader spectrum. Okay, and I've actually interviewed us... um, Mark McClish, who does statement analysis, and that sounds pretty similar in regards, because I asked him too, um, for example, polygraphs are not allowed in court, cannot right. use them, they're not admissible. I asked him the same thing about statement analysis, is it admissible or is it more of an investigative tool? Am I correct in assuming that this, again, is not necessarily admissible, is more of an investigative tool? Okay, Personality profiling is an investigative tool. Okay. Um, I've worked with tons of law enforcement. We might use that in an investigation, but you cannot go to court and say uh, his handwriting says he's uh, a murderer. You can only go to court to say he wrote this bank robbery note or he wrote the note on the girl's body. Okay. So for identification purposes, you can go to court. Says you go to court. Oh, good. And and I imagine the other you really don't want because you have a minority report situation, don't you? Uh, a what? A- minority report. And minority report is a story where they projected that somebody was going to commit a crime and arrested them before committing the crime. Oh, yeah. You can't do that. <laughs> so, well, in, in theory, because you do study people and I know that you warn this person may be potentially dangerous or not dangerous or, or whatever with your friends, correct? Oh, definitely. Like, I, I actually think learning about handwriting, you can know if somebody potentially is dangerous, how they may act, what they might do. And it's all in their handwriting. Like if uh, you were going to marry somebody and you showed mm-hmm. me her handwriting and I didn't like her, I tell you, no, no, no. Or you're an employer. Pretend you're an employer and you need to hire somebody. I may look at that handwriting and go, oh, my God, you're going to deal with a lot of problems. So you can help predict what's going to happen. Okay. Now, one of the worries would be, and it was really early in your book. I mean, like right from the get-go, your first job was a child who they found a note that looked like it was a a kidnapping note or ransom note or something like that. And you essentially said, Oh, it's not a, the the child's not under duress, not under threat or anything else. And another expert actually had said, Oh my God, you know, call in all the forces. Right. Now that's two people looking at the same thing. Right. How do we, and I know, I, you know, I'm coming in strong early, but how do we well, determine? Well, I'm very, very good at what I do. <laughs> so if I say it, believe me, <laughs> I, it's just, it's like everything else. You go, you might have two psychiatrists and one goes, the guy's crazy. The other guy says, or woman says, he's faking it. 
Mm-hmm. It, it really comes down to how good the person who is evaluating it is. Um, yeah. So if I, I, when I looked at that note, it was, uh, it said something like, oh, please rescue me, Kay, mm-hmm. Kelsey. And the, the, they said, oh, it's dangerous. This poor kid's in trouble. I'm like, yeah, no, no problem. It's a five, four, five, six-year-old girl. She, she's okay. And the next, and when they put it on television, it was on national news kid kidnapped and i'm like oh my god i i told them it's nothing and the next day this little five-year-old girl came in with her father to the police department and said i'm so sorry i was playing a game i wrote this to my teddy bear and it flew out the window so there are things in handwriting if somebody's in danger or someone's scared it will show up in their writing interesting now I'm curious, and this is probably the hardest thing of all for you to answer, so I completely understand if it's impossible to do, but I love to think about a process. Like, I want to try to experience through your eyes. You are handed a document, let's say, that has something written on it. How do you see that document? How do you absorb it? And can you describe that feeling or thought or, or pattern. I know it sounds odd, but I think there's some power in that. Okay. Well, the first thing, um, depending on the document, if it's a, I will not look at it when I'm tired because mm-hmm. when I'm tired, I can't think straight. So when I'm fully ready, I just look at it and I take a pen and pencil and I just write down my first impressions without censoring myself, without going, well, maybe this, maybe I just, write it down, make a list. And then I look at it again um, for maybe some details. And then I put it away. And then I look at it again and go, okay, this is the profile. But I I don't censor myself. I look at it. I mean, handwriting, people think I'm like this psychic. And I'm, well, I might be, but I'm not really psychic. I psycho a little bit. Um, (laughs) I, (laughs) I look at the document. I look at a uh, writing and there's everything to me it's obvious and I try to explain this to people that when you write it's I'm looking at something that you put from your brain onto paper and so I'm just reading someone's brain prints and so there's a reason if I look at your handwriting it doesn't look like mine mm-hmm. there's a reason when you look at your aunt Sally's handwriting you recognize it right away and you make a choice with everything you put on that page. And I can analyze handwriting. Sometimes I'll take paper and I'll turn it around so I'm not reading what it wrote, what someone wrote. I'm just looking at it as if it's a painting or a, a visual thing. And how does it sit on the page? So um, that sounds like editors who who deliberately copyright backward, like starting. Oh, that makes sense. Because then they don't get caught up in the story or or logic of it. They just can see spelling and stuff like that. When you say the impressions, I'm just curious again, though, it's like when you look at it, do you just, do you get a feeling? Do you, uh, do you hear something? Do you see something? You know, like I imagine there might be a time you just get chills, like you you get the wrong thing or. Oh, definitely. I mean, I could look at some handwriting and go, oh my God, this is dangerous. And I would get, scared or sick almost um but so my first thing is what i guess really what feeling does it give you look at handwriting all of a sudden people say well what do you look at it's that first impression does it look coarse and ugly does it look beautiful Mm. i'm i mean that's your your first impression when you look at it um so you know i looked at a handwriting can I tell you a story? Please. Um, this is a, I, I have my book, Sex, Lies, and Handwriting. And uh, somebody called me and she said, I read your book and I never knew. I'm like 15 years older than my brother and sister. I really never knew them. I moved out. My mother remarried, had two more kids. And now I'm older and I went back and I love my sister. And, um, but my brother's a little odd. Can I send you his handwriting? And I'm like, sure, you know. And uh, she sent me the handwriting and she and her sister 
they live far away and they called me and they said, what do you think of my brother? And I said, well, I hate to tell you this, but he's everything that would be in my book. And I just hope you're safe. He's a very, very dangerous person. And they said, well, we believe he's a serial killer. I was like, oh, they said, what should we do? I said, well, only thing I know you shouldn't do, do not give him my phone number. (laughs) (laughs) So as it turns out, where they were living, girls were disappearing. And um, I called the state police. And so there are times when I look at something and I just get this, oh, my God, feeling. And that was and the one sister said her brother was like a year older than she was. And she said ever since she was a little girl, she slept with a knife under her pillow because she was so afraid of her brother. My God. So did they catch him? Well, um, he was in Alaska and they called the police and then he escaped out. He went to somewhere like Seattle. I don't know if they caught him. Um, that was the last I was involved in that. Oh, I would have to know. I'm I'm wondering if it's Israel keys. I hope they caught him and I don't know. And the girl stopped disappearing once he left Mm. Alaska. So, okay. That's uh, (laughs) yeah. Well, how about a cheerful one? Like the girl, I mean, do you have that happen quite a lot where you're like, Oh no, they're faking their own thing. Uh, well, I have a lot of cheerful ones. I mean, sometimes somebody will show me handwriting and go, should I marry this guy? And I go, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Or, um, I'll give you another example of something I think is good. I was, uh, I worked for a lot of companies and helping them, hire people. Mm-hmm. And this one company said, Oh, what do you think of this girl? We don't think she's smart enough. She misspelled a few things. And I said, I think she's plenty smart. I think she's going to be a great employee. I really think you should hire her. They said, are you sure? I said, especially some younger people, they don't know how to spell anymore. You know? So I said, I think she's going to be good. They hired her. She turned out to be their number one employee. So, mm. You know, sometimes it's a, you know, I have the, the evildoer stories and the really sweet stories. Well, I, I imagine the evildoer stories get more, more press, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. So I, I do like to go both ways. Yeah, they're kind of more fun. <laughs> it's nice to get a nice story once in a while. Though. Now, on that note, I, I am curious about something because, you know, I, I will speak for myself. My handwriting is so horrible. I learned cursive, forgot cursive. I learned how to print, forgot how to print when I was taught cursive. Then um, went back to printing, forgot how to do that, came up in computers. I avoid writing like the plague and have for years. And every time I write, even on a card, it doesn't really even look like itself necessarily. And my signature's pretty much illegible. I'm curious, though, because I know I'm not alone. There are many people who are especially in the computer world and things like that, who barely write at all. Right. Do they still have all these same tells or does that make a difference because of lack of competence? Um, it's, you still have the same tells. A lot of people aren't writing as much anymore. Um, and there's a reason you choose not to write too. I mean, all of those are choices. I don't, you don't enjoy writing anymore. And um, a lot of people don't, Mm -hmm. but that's the reason there's a choice. And just because you think it looks ugly or doesn't look good, it could look really beautiful to me. Very creative people often have very like kind of crazy handwriting. (laughs) And sometimes people who are almost like robots and are fake, they have that real pretty perfect handwriting. So real pretty perfect doesn't mean good and real messy doesn't mean bad. Um, mm. uh, most creative people have a, a little bit of a sort of a, you can't whack a doodle handwhating and that's okay. <laughs> if it's too whack a doodle, not good. Um, but, but I'm going to give you a piece of advice though, for your brain, handwriting is different than working on a computer with a computer. It only lights up one part of your brain and you're just sort of doing this. Mm-hmm. When you write, you have to take your brain, your eye, and your hand, and your coordination, and you have to move. You're actually using more parts of your brain. 
So to keep your brain healthy in the long run of life, it's a very good thing to, to write, even if it's just for fun in a notebook. Yeah, I, I believe that. And I know that that is a great way for memorization, too, because while you, you're writing something, you're having to inject it in your brain in a different manner. So now you've experienced it twice. Right. So I, I know in, that. <laughs> right. And even in school, if, if you're studying, some people just write their notes on a computer. Studies have found that if you actually write your notes, you remember them more. So, and, and for older people, to keep your brain healthy, just keep writing. And write with your right hand and write with your left hand. It keeps more parts of your brain moving and going. So it is a really easy way to keep your brain healthy. Well, to start writing. <laughs> well, uh, <yeah>. we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I, it's always so nice to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I, I know myself. It's like I barely have. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to give you a homework assignment. So, <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, you mentioned having the perfect, precise writing. That actually leads in really well. You have a quiz in your book that I kind of wanted did. to take live. And I, I'll confess, I know who the first two people are because I study you a lot. But okay. it leads in perfectly. There's two signatures, both named Ted, which is a perfect thing. You have uh, the two Teds. They're both fun, delightful people that have mm -hmm. a lot of corpses piled up between them. And one of them, and to me, this one's obvious, even in the signature, that you have uh, Ted, who's A, and that's Ted Bundy. And then a Ted B, who's Theodore Kaczynski, or the Unabomber who was right. the ultimate recluse, who lived mm -hmm. in a space. I've confirmed it with the investigator who broke his manifesto. His space in the wild, it was maybe a little smaller than where he lives now in, oh. uh, in prison. So right. ironically, his life is possibly better okay. than it was, which is really disturbing. Let me ask you a question. Yes. How did you know one was... Ted, but you know, I told Sid one was Ted Bundy, or, or did I? Mm -hmm. And one was Ted Kaczynski. How did you know which one was which? Flamboyant. Which one? Uh, well, flamboyant. How else? I'm going to give you a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ted Kaczynski is an engineer and incredibly precise. And I'm willing to bet that his entire manifesto was almost typewritten looking. Right. I also know uh, this is a fun fact I've brought up in other ones, but I love to repeat myself. And. Okay. Um, John Fitzgerald, who helped break the manifesto, did it because Ted Kaczynski's English was perfect, mm -hmm. which is very ironic. His mistake was that he is more correct than everybody else. He okay. had a phrase that he liked to use. Now, you've heard the term, you can't have your cake and eat it too, right? Yes, I've heard that. Well, he wrote in the manifesto and in a letter to an editor, you can't eat your cake and have it. Oh. Now, the interesting fact about this is the original saying, if you go to the etymology, I don't know if it's etymology with a quote, but if you really dig the quote out, the original quote is, you can't eat your cake and have it too. He was correct. Yeah, he's but, correct. But because he's correct and everybody else is different, that caused, you know, a, a variance. So anyway, that again, that precision, everything he did was precise. His handwriting, right. to me, looks very precise. It's very tiny. Right. And I, I know people like that who are very engineering. They're not right. crazy. They're just engineering. Engineering, uh, yeah. And he actually may not have always been crazy. I know he had a bad childhood and problems, but he was also an MK Ultra tested on. So we, we never know. Now, right. Ted Bundy, mm -hmm. just looking at it, um, you have a contemptuous flair. Okay. I I don't know. I could be wrong um, in how I'm looking at it, but it feels because I'm not. I don't have any sense on it. It it feels extremely flamboyant and bold and up yours, and I can do whatever the hell I want to do. Uh, that type. Of I thing. mean, you're you're right. I mean, that's why I say about handwriting. You know, you never studied it. But you know that instinctively. And you know that somebody who's writing big, hi, how are you? Here, look at me, look at mm -hmm. me. Ted Bunch like to be around people. Hi, Ted Kaczynski, teeny, weeny, weeny, weeny. Don't look at me, don't look at me. Mm -hmm. So 
the size alone. I mean, it's, it's, in, you know that, like nobody has to teach you, oh yeah, the big one is the more social outgoing handwriting. But you were right. You're an excellent student. Oh, well, thank you. Now, one thing though, to, I, I worry about though is um, how we came upon the art. Like um, you talked to, uh, about that psychologists, you know, put together samples of all their patients and then studied it. it. Was this a case of reverse engineering as in I know who this person is? Like I know who Ted Bundy is. I know what he did. I knew his plan, but I know all that. So then I look at two pieces of handwriting, and I know engineers, and I know a lot about Kaczynski because I've interviewed. So now I can ascribe my knowledge of them to the samples versus um, you're deconstructing. Like, if you just hand me a note and somebody writes it and it looks like Ted's right, I I don't know that. I don't know that this is a flamboyant serial killer. You know, I. You did, though. You did. I mean, if I hadn't, you still instinctually knew that that first Ted was flamboyant and big. So if I just handed it to you, I'd say, is this an engineer recluse? And you'd say, it doesn't look like it to me. Okay. Well, you give me an A and B. Yes. But I, but you hand me right. something. I, it's hard for me to come from a concept zero. And that that's where I just want to be clear. And I do worry about that whole, you know, aspect of if you know who they are, it's easy to, you know, use, um, confirmation bias, I, I guess would be, you know, what, what I fear myself doing is like, okay, I know Ted Bundy's all these things. And I see these two handwritings and then this was here and boy, that matches what I think about him. And, oh, it happens to be his. So see how smart I am. Well, mm, mm, maybe. You are smart. Oh, well, well um, <laughs> no, well, actually how the study of handwriting came about, you'd had a group because I got uh, in the 1800s, a group of psychiatrists, who put different kinds of handwriting and different personalities together, and they kept compiling it. Even now, handwriting is always changing because the style you learn is different. Like kids are learning a different style now than they did 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 50. So you have to always be sort of updating. And what I often do when I see handwriting, and I don't know, it's somehow it's confusing. I will talk to that person. I'll say, tell me about yourself. Mm. I'm learning i am always learning okay and so and i know you use body language and things like that to help supplement it and we're right. going to be talking about that later because you're part of right. a new crew right 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 that's true <laughs> <laughs> okay so we'll jump forward and it's going to get harder for me because i don't know who they are per okay. se you know like i said the first one is almost a cheat okay um, Okay, the second one is, here are handwriting samples of two famous artists. One is feeling upbeat, while the other is feeling down in the dumps. Which artist is feeling down, A or B? This one, again, I think you're doing the easy version for us. It's obviously A, who is feeling down. Okay. Um, and Because, one, you've got a, a drifting downward, and I know you've talked about that too, but... Even more. I mean, the second one even has a son, for God's sake. <laughs> it's like right, right, right. you're not going <laughs> to get uh, you know, a whole lot there. Right. Well, you're right. The first one is heavy and goes down. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like when you're down, B? You feel heavy and down. What sure. do you feel when you're happy? Hi, you're happy and up. So who's the first one? Um, should, am I allowed to give the answers or is this or they just have to guess your audience? Oh, no, no, no. We'll give the answers here. Okay. Well, the first one, the down, the heavy, is Vincent Van Gogh. Ah, that makes sense. You know, he's you know he committed suicide, I think, at age thirty-eight. Um, the upbeat one, hi, how are you? Is somebody who lived till the well into their nineties, very happy. That's Pebble Picasso. Mm. Um, and and just as a sideline. You can actually change your handwriting and change things about your personality. If you were the Vincent Van Gogh and your handwriting's down and you're always looking at things like, oh, what was me? You can change your handwriting, push it uphill, and it'll actually change chemicals in your brain and you will become a happier person. I was wondering about that because uh, of the CBT angle. That that sort of makes sense. I, I hate to say fake it till you make it. But right. it it sort of is, right? You, instead of uh, your inside projecting out, you're saying you can force the outside to project in. And I actually do believe in some of that. Like if if you force yourself to smile all the time, mm-hmm. eventually it becomes a Duchenne smile. Right. If, if you try. 
easiest ways to be happy is take a chop is with a chopstick. Why? Put it in your mouth and makes your lips go up, and you will smile. If your body and your brain are connected, we're mm-hmm. not a brain and we're not a body. We're both. And so, the more you can get them to work together, the the better chances you have of achieving what you want. Um, so, if example you stand up tall and walk and you pro- project pride, you will become a more happy, successful person. If you slump over, I mean, it's easy with body language, slump Mm. over, you will tell your brain, oh, I'm sad. Um, So with handwriting, same thing. It's a body movement. You write uphill, you're forcing yourself up. Mm -hmm. You're doing a physical motion to help with a mental, you know, you know, it doesn't help if you don't know why you're doing it. But if you go, okay, I want to be more positive. I'm going to look at life in a positive direction. And every time I write, I'm going to push my hand uphill. You're telling your brain, oh, wait, I think you're happier. And if you study successful people, there's one thing in common with every single one of them. Their Mm. handwriting goes uphill. Because you have that (laughs) energy. You have to have energy to be successful. Well, that makes sense. And I'm thinking, too, that you're climbing. So a a successful person's always striving it's not even not even necessarily you know happy all the time but they're always forward they're always climbing they're never down you're right you're right they may be down inside but they're push pushing forward which yeah uh definitely motivational so we'll jump to number three okay which of these two politicians doesn't want you to be able to read him a or b now, A, now this one's, I'd say, a little bit harder because it just doesn't necessarily say everything. But A is kind of a Sharpie-looking signature. Um, has the extra dots. I know that has some meaning to you, like there's a problem. And then the second one is uh, more scripted-looking. It's it's one of those T's that, or J's that looks like a T type of style. Um, I would say that A is hiding and B is, you know, pretty open because the signature's open and the way you You got it. You got it. Um, And this book, you know, the original book was written, oh, gosh, maybe 10 years ago and it's been Mm -hmm. updated through since then. So these are certain people who were in the news 10 years ago. But you're right. Um, I'm not going to tell you who these people are. I'll let the, the audience guess them. But you're right that the second one is like, here I am. I'll give you a hint. The second one is Jimmy Carter. Yeah, I guess that. <laughs> the first one you'll uh, have to read about. Okay. And that the dot, that has significance when people It's like have... secret code. It's like, like I said, Morris code. Mm-hmm. You, does this person know they're doing this and not letting anyone see their signature? No. But subconsciously, their signature, like their personality, is like Morse code. It's secret code. So you know that this person is secretive and mm-hmm. has sort of a secret life. Okay. And interesting that, and the dots do some of it. There's something called leakage. Okay. That is talked about in body language circles and all that. Is that sort of what you're talking about here is that, it, that they're sort of leaking. Um, they're not consistent in what they're doing. So things are, they're leaking. Well, not exactly what I thought you meant, and I maybe didn't know your what you meant, but leaking, I call, is you're leaking your personality. Right. You can't help it. It's yes. it's there. It's, like I said, Morse code a little bit. Does this person go, oh, I'm going to make my signature like Morse code? No. Right. But deep down, they're secretive, and we are reading their brain. And that's why we can't read that signature, and it looks like a code. Um, we're going to see somebody a little later on whose handwriting is all Morse code. Hmm. Okay. Very cool. Um, okay. And then which of these, uh, we'll go question four. Sorry. Which one of these writers is more nurturing a or B? Uh, this one looks obvious to me, uh, but a A is more nurturing. Right. And the reason is that a has kind of the bubblier round, just rounded writing. Right. I, I figure that, Round is soft. Angles are less soft. For sure. When you're angry, try, if you're angry like this, try to make a, a curve. You can't. True. Anger tightens your 
your whole system up. So um, this first round, think of a mother, rounded, curvy. The first handwriting is Mother Teresa. Mm. And the second handwriting, I think, um, and I've only did it for a while, but I know it's, I think it's um, Heimlich Him- Himmler. <laughs> yeah. So when you look at a lot of angles, there's no softness there, no mm. cuddling. Um, when you look at a lot of roundness, when you look at uh, young girls, it's all this rounded handwriting. It's sort of a sure. softness. Uh, eventually, you want a combination. You want to be a little tough, but not so tough that you have no empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't want to get stepped on all the time, so not all rounded. So, mm-hmm. But you instinctually, again, you knew rounded. You don't know why. Like, if I were to ask you, why did round? You go, I don't know. It just feels that way. Mm-hmm. But there's reason when you're round or soft. I tell people, if you're upset, take your hand and make round circles, round circles, mm-hmm. and you will calm your body down. Sounds like flow. <laughs> yeah, so, flow. Get well, tai, tai Chi kind of does yeah, movements easy. of that sort, right? right? It's the body movement to go with what you're, you want your body and brain to do. Okay. Well, now question five. Which of these might... Yes, Let me tell you one last thing about the last sample. Yeah. In Germany, they used to have this very angular handwriting right around before the Second World War. Tough, mm-hmm. angular. Mm-hmm. They actually changed their system of writing to make it softer. Mm. So, they, you know, they took it very seriously that they were producing too much of an angular, angry people. And they softened up their handwriting to soften up the people. You know, that's interesting. It makes sense. It makes sense why they were angry, too. It makes sense <laughs> why they were angular. I mean, Germany was not in good shape after World War One. No. And if you think about it, and I'm not, you know, rewarding, I'm just saying, think of how powerful that co- country became in a short period of time after being completely laid out. I mean, they were, they mm-hmm. had to pay for everything in World War One. So yeah. there, there definitely was a hard bitten edge and oh. rage society wise. And you can see it in the writing. Wow. That, okay. that is a fascinating tidbit. All right. So question five is which of these writers holds back when it comes to expressing emotions? Okay. A or B. Okay. Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to go, every, is every answer A? <laughs> anyway, sorry. I always A. <laughs> anyway, um, it looks like A to me because it's just a little bit more, um, I'm not going to say sloppy. It's it's readable, but it just feels looser when I look right. at it, like uh, more, um, more relaxed. The it, second it, one is, you know, kind of going back to the first signature, Um. Oh no, the first one was B. So okay, it was B A A A. Anyway, um, holds the back. First one is constrained, and I'm curious about the leftward angle too. Is that um, oh. is that a handedness or is that also a tell? Um, people think, oh, I have a left slanted handwriting. That means this person's left handed. Statistically, as many right-handed people write with a backward slant as left-handed people. We obviously have more right-handed people. Mm-hmm. Think about, again, body language. If I'm reaching towards you, I'm going to come towards you there. <laughs> when I reach towards you, I'm, ho- I'm, I'm reaching towards other people. Mm-hmm. When I pull back, what am I doing? I'm withdrawing. Okay. So handwriting that will go backward slant. That can be can be friendly, but emotionally they're going to withdraw. So shy, even. Well, it's even more than shy. You okay. can be shy, or you could be not shy. Like I could, like let's say you were in a relationship with number two, and they had that backward slant. You don't know what they're thinking. They mm. could talk to you. They could say, "How's today? Fine." You don't know. I I knew somebody, and he said, "Oh." My wife, uh, I never fought with my wife. I'm like, oh, that's nice. We never fought a day. I said, oh, how wonderful. He goes, yeah, well, we're divorced. I said, mm-hmm. why if you never fought? He said, well, it turns out she was in love with someone else. One day she took all the stuff and left. And mm-hmm. I never knew, but we never fought. And he said, well, I looked at her handwriting with all this backward slant. 
So maybe she was friendly. She talked. She, he knew nothing what was going on. It wasn't like, you know, a, a normal relationship. You yell at each other. <laughs> um, but uh, with someone who withdraws, doesn't tell you anything. You don't really know what's going on inside of them. I'd be curious if her, her handwriting changed afterward. That would be interesting. Like, you know, when she got in a different relationship, did she change? Probably. Feel open, things like that. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, I do believe when you're in a better situation, you can change. I, However, you're at a certain point, you're you. You sure. may be happier or you sadder or you scared, but you're basically you. Right, right. No, that, make, that makes sense. And makes yeah, sense. most of the time, uh, if, if you fall for somebody who's cheating on somebody else and you know, it, there's your template for the future. Right. <laughs> <That's>, Usually. <laughs> all right. Um, next one's very interesting. Uh, oh, okay. Question six. Which of these writers is a transvestite? Right. I am going to go with B. Uh, why? Because of the... Um, I don't know how to put it. I I don't know if and I want to say colorful or there's a, a, again, it's like a flare, like a design, like, okay. uh, like you're, they appear in my mind because I have this knowledge that they are decorating their okay. writing more than left, which just seems like a straightforward um, handwriting. Do you know that I'm going to hire you? You are wonderful at this. You're wonderful. Um, you're right. Except there is something else in this in B. Mm. If you look really closely, look at things hanging. The phallics. Me, yeah, there's phallic symbols all over. Mm -hmm. um, when you have people who are a little bit um, different sexually, they will put phallic symbols in their handwriting mm. or it's on the brain all the time. Sex. Can I tell you another story about phallic symbols? And I will not, I'm going to make up a name. Um, I have a friend, let's call her Susie. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm, you know, Susie's always was asking me, look at my handwriting, look at my handwriting. She would ask me every day. I'm thinking you're not going to change that much from Monday to Wednesday. Why do you want me to look at your handwriting again? Well, one time I, she goes, look at my handwriting, look at, and I said, well, why do you, and I, all of a sudden she's had phallic symbols in her handwriting. And I looked at her and I said, why do you have phallic symbols? I've never seen this before. And she goes, oh, my high school boyfriend came into town and I'm having an affair. I'm like, oh, well, anyhow, he left town, the phallic symbols went away. Well, but you while she that affair it was all over her handwriting. <laughs> i i hate to say this but using your theory then every 15 year old boy to say age 20 something it's gonna be full of phallic possible. symbols <laughs> possible because <laughs> uh there, there's not much other thought <laughs> i've never been a 15 year old boy but um i'm gonna take your word for it <laughs> All right, let me see. I'm trying to find the next question. They've got a computer bouncing around. Oh, that was it. Okay. That was the quiz. Oh, my. Okay. Um, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Speaking of angles, we'll, we'll, we can run forward a little bit. Uh, you've angles and phallic symbols and a president. Oh. <laughs> the, the, there's another um, example you gave. Do you want to discuss that? Because you wrote an extra chapter and it's been covered too. You know, I, I wrote another chapter on Donald Trump. He's an interesting character, mm -hmm. and I've given a lot of talks on him, his handwriting. And I just, um, I'll have, why don't you do this? Just make a bunch of angles with your hand. Go like this. Sure. And tell me how you feel. Really, like, tough. Okay. Yeah, marching. <laughs> yeah, all right. Like, <laughs> and, we go, and again, do your curves. Mm -hmm. And just feel it. Sure. Do you feel differently? Oh, yeah. This is tough. Mm -hmm. When you do angles, it's aggressive. I, everybody's seen Donald Trump's signature. He shows it off all over the place. Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of angles. And um, when you see angles, it's tough. It's hostile. It's aggressive. It's competitive. Um, there's not a softness in there. 
That is no. not what the person is trying to portray. No, now, I mean, weakness to him. Yeah. I've, I've actually given a lot of talks on this, and I've done it both to very conservative groups and very liberal groups. And I come out and they go, I loved what you said about Donald Trump. And I'll go, huh? And I'll say exactly the same thing to both groups. And I'll go, what did you mean? And the more liberal group will go, yeah, those angles. He's angry. He's tough. He's, oh, is he mean and bad? I say it to a conservative group. They go, yeah, those angles. He's tough. He's fighting for America. I say, I'm like, oh, and I say exactly the same words and it's interpreted a hundred percent different depending on who's listening to what I say. Well, that, okay. That gets back to what I was saying earlier, right? Um, I'm a big believer in, confirmation bias so okay that's literally what you have you have one side who thinks he's a monster so absolutely he's got angles he's just a monster like sharp teeth and he's gonna kill everybody and you have the other side who's saying he's not a wimp he's tough he's like a spear and he's leading us forward well right well it's <laughs> you know, but the, nobody disagrees with that's the personality sure it's just what you in your own head think makes I don't want to call it a good or a, 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 I mean, everything, I mean, nobody disagrees. Nobody right. says, wait, no, he's a soft person. Nobody disagrees. <laughs> it's that, um, but, but that same quality, some people find it admirable and other mm. people find it non-admirable. Of course, we all are a little biased. You like the person, you kind of turn it into what you think is good. You don't like the person you turn sure. it into what you um, think is not good, but nobody disagrees that that's the personality. Okay. And how about on that note, because we are just talking about his signatures and you um, in, had mentioned how his signature was a little bit phallic at one point, And now it's just all angles and that well, lines up with you, world events. Right. If you trace Donald Trump's signature back through the years, there's something called a phallic symbol, and it's exact. It looks exactly like what it is. Mm -hmm. And when it's in his handwriting, it's almost a guarantee that those are the types he's fooling around. And then since he's been president, it's completely, completely disappeared. That phallic symbol is no longer at all in his handwriting. So I mean, you know, his priorities are no longer sex. Mm -hmm. um, if you trace back, like I, you could probably do a timeline when he was getting himself in trouble by when the phallic symbol was in his handwriting, when it would disappear, when it was in his handwriting, when it would disappear. <laughs> I, I could totally see it. And I can see the all angles, too. Um, and it was also compressed, mm -hmm. like, yes. not, you know, not I, as spread. It was tighter, I, um, tight. like right. like somebody who's under extreme pressure, quite That's possibly. True. And let me just explain one other thing. Your signature is different than the rest of your handwriting. I wanted to go into that. Oh, okay. Your signature, why do you write a signature? You only write a signature for other people. I never write, I, Michelle Dressel, need to go to the store and buy a tomato. Mm -hmm. I sign my name to give to you my check, uh, end of a document. I'm showing you who I am. Your signature is how you want other people to see you. The rest of your writing is how you feel inside your head. Mm. So if your signature is basically the same as the rest of your writing, who I show who I show to myself is who I'm showing to you. If your signature is very different than your writing, how what's going on in your head can be very different than how you want to appear to other people. Mm. And thus we have, and we'll finish out with this example. You have a note that he gave to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, right. And the writing in this, well, there's a few things. Like one, the boy believes in an upward angle, like crazy. Right. So right. that's a, that is a definite forward thing. And anybody who's seen Donald Trump thinks of him as somewhat optimistic and, right. uh, and confident. Um, the writing itself, though, looks nowhere near as violent as the signature, except on the best wishes. 
which I find interesting that B almost has some sharp angles there. I don't know. And maybe you see, I'm projecting quite possibly, but I see that. Do you think he's really giving him best wishes? That's what I'm projecting is that it's almost like a, you know, the old fashioned movies. They would say, good day to you, sir. Good day. (laughs) And it was like, it was really saying F off. It's exactly (laughs) like that. It's exactly like that. Sometimes you can read a word. uh, 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 Let's say somebody goes, Oh, I love you so much. And they write the word love real little. They don't love Mm. you. He's saying best wishes. He makes it real rough. And he's not right. really giving him the best wishes. So yeah, I was trying can't. to find another B in there. And I can't. Unfortunately, he doesn't have one because that would sustain it even. Oh, no, badly. Yeah, he wrote badly with a B that's much more rounded and, and normal looking. So right, He likes badly, but he doesn't like best wishes. There it is. That best wishes is tough. Like, yeah, I'm giving you best wishes, please. <laughs> well, this is fascinating. I could go on with this all day, and I definitely want to have you back. Well, I'd love to be back. My we're going to get your hand, I think. Um, which version? <laughs> I can write twenty ways. <laughs> I'll be sitting there going, Michelle's looking at right upward. Oh wait, right. that's sharp, rounded <laughs> angles. You, it's going to look like a three-year-old learning cursive saying, "This is for <laughs> Michelle," because I'm not going to get caught up with my own weird psychology. Um, you are part of a new group, and I know I've heard the name, the Secret Task Force. Well, actually, we've changed that name. Oh. At least as of right now, I think we're calling it. Profiler Task Force. Oh, I like that better, actually, because yeah, you're actually designing what you're doing with versus... Because we're telling about people's secrets, but we're not really secret. So we're a group of profilers, a side okay. force of profilers. Okay, so that's, that's how perfect. Yeah. And I am updating my note right now. Okay. Because I am very excited about this. I have worked with and had the behavior panel on, and I know all of those guys. And it's you're very similar in pattern of four different, in their case, they're angled a little more to body language, but they are not only body language, especially when you throw Chase in the mix. And uh, Greg Hartley is obviously a big time interrogator. So I love the aspect of of you guys getting together and I'm trying to work it out so I can get you all on as well because I love exploring the different um, disciplines, if you will, or arts. I don't know what you would call this. Or both arts and disciplines, I suppose. Yeah. It should be really fun because it's four of us and um, we're very, excited and we're all four very different personalities but mm-hmm. i think it will be a good combination oh absolutely especially if you're looking at different angles now it's um you who you know your main specialties uh handwriting analysis but you right. also do body language so right. I, I don't want it to you know undersell all, other talents we all do like a specialty and then yeah i know we know enough about the other things right and i would say that lena is into statement analysis Right. As her primary, again, she does also does uh, interrogation, which is another specialty. So they're almost equal, but they go hand in hand. Susan is a strange machine who learns pretty much every discipline out there. But I'd say she's most famous for face reading. Right. And Janine, again, I feel is a mixed combination of statement analysis, body language. And I throw humor with her. Yeah. yeah, she's yeah. fun. Well, she. I only met Janine is the only person I met in person. Okay. Well, Janine reminds me a little of Mark Bowden in okay. the sense that now Mark is a brilliant language reader, but he he really focuses more on teaching people how to project. Okay. So I, what I love is his additives of like when you're delivering a speech, how do you do it? And I kind of feel like Janine has a lot of that in there too. That. She can teach people how to present themselves. Yeah, so she's you guys, wonderful. She's wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> you guys have a, a, a outstanding combo, and I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, yay. Yay. Thank you. We're looking forward to it, too. This will be very exciting. Okay, and I think that you start September 1st? 
Um, like, I, we don't know. I, I sometime in September. <laughs> yes, I guess we do. But in the meantime, folks, you have a book to read. The book is Sex Lies in Handwriting. And there are two versions of it. I have the original version, and I also have the new version on Kindle. I recommend everybody, please check us out. I recommend it also. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. Nice. Nice meeting you. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing for free. And I mean for free. It is always free. There's no billing, anything else. You can subscribe in your player of choice, which is probably right in your hands. Or you can go to unstructuredpod.com. And there are plenty of links there. Thank you so much. And in the spirit of sharing, here's a couple more shows you may want to check out. I did not grow up with very much money. Money's energy. Money is something that really scares me. You had about 60 grand in debt. Money isn't the answer. Somebody should just give me a lot of money. My dream was to be the WWE wrestler, but you realize that your dreams change over the years. Money's a tool. It's a key to a gate. And at the other side of the gate is the things that you really want to do with your life. It's the things that matter most to you. It's pursuing those values that make you ultimately happy. Listen to Inspired Money at inspiredmoney.fm. Mr. Hayes' office, how may I help you? Andrea, it's Marilyn over at Kennedy Parker Construction. Hello, Marilyn. Would you like me to connect Mr. Parker to Mr. Hayes? A fish surrounded by sharks. A secretary cursed by desire and ambition. Introducing The Diarist by Donna Barrow Green. The Diarist, an addictive psychological thriller, satirical, suspenseful, and full of twists. Available on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Yes. I'm sorry if I've hurt your feelings. Or if something I've said has led you to believe, I think you're incompetent. It's just been so long since you've given me any encouragements or compliments on my... Andrea. I do notice you. I like that blouse on you very much. You look very pretty, just as you are right now. Oh, well, I... It's very pretty on you. Thank you. What sort of fabric is it? It's silk. It's lovely. You have excellent taste in clothes. I notice. Would you mind removing your cardigan? My sweater? Yes, so I can see the blouse in its entirety. Why? I like it very much. You see, I do notice you. You know that, don't you? I don't have to tell you I notice these things. You know when I like something, don't you? I don't know. I repeated his words in my mind. I notice you. That was it, wasn't it? I wanted someone to notice me. Not Andrea the daughter, the wife, the secretary. Not even Andrea the artist or ad girl. I wanted someone, anyone, to see me. More than anything, it was Richard. Please don't think unkind of me, dear reader. Mm -hmm.